Hello, and thank you for listening to Whitlet. This is the Funny Books Podcast, uh, and I'm your host, Lily Linden. I'm a sort of editor and writer person, and my debut novel, Double Booked, is coming out in June 2022. On this episode of Whitlet, I am so psyched to be joined by Ben Pope. Whitlet is, is a podcast about funny books, so who better to talk to than a comedian who's also a bookseller? Literally, what the fuck? It's so great. Um, can I swear on this podcast? It's my podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, he, so Ben is not only a brilliant stand-up comedian and comedy organiser extraordinaire, he is also manager at the Review Bookshop in Peckham. Yeah, it's just really cool. In this episode, Ben recommends his five favourite funny books, and also a few more for good measure. And obviously, they're all corkers. Uh, we've got novels, we've got poetry, we've got a sort of alternative memoir thing. We've got uh, some very, very short stories. Uh, honestly, you're just going to love them. So let's get to it. Tell us who you are, Ben. Um, my name is Ben and I am a, uh, a stand-up comedian um, in the UK. Uh, and also... I work at the Review Bookshop in Peckham, um, and I'm the manager currently. So I am both a bookseller and a comedian. So funny books sort of fall um, beautifully in the lap of my two uh, career thing. Tell me about bookselling vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis, I'd plump for vis-a-vis. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who also knows really what it means? Vis a vis means uh, opposite in French, oh. but that doesn't mean what we mean it to mean. Oh. So, so I'm so sorry, this is not I what wanted, you want. um, I wanted to ask you about book selling vis a vis. Like funny books. Like, do, do, does anyone ever come in and say, I would like to read something funny? Yeah, it does happen. But but I th- I think people don't necessarily always say funny when they mean funny. Yeah, I think in general, when people come in, they want they say something like, "I want something light," or yeah. "I want something." I, yeah, I just need something to take take my mind off things. <laughs> I want something, and that can mean funny. But equally, some people. The good thing about funny, and we'll, I guess we'll probably get into this, mm-hmm. is like <laughs> the fact that it does kind of span every genre. Yeah. So yeah. there, when people also say like, I want something like dark and gritty and, uh, you know, thrillery, mm. you also like, I can still recommend them a funny book. So yeah, it is like, I think people don't want to ask for a funny book because I think when people <laughs> are... I think when they come into a bookshop, and I think this is a fault probably mm. of like, um, I don't know, years of, of publishing trends is that people <laughs> will come in and they'll say, sorry to, I'm taking it to, <laughs> I just, I just mean um, the humour as a term, which yeah. I think is maybe the most disgusting word yeah. in the English language. Other than maybe like, comedic, which yeah, is the worst. But. Comedic is like, oh, they tried. <laughs> it's really upsetting. And humour just makes it sound like you've got it out of like a mothballed old box <laughs> in an attic or something. Yeah. Um, it's like humour books tend to like, 
in my like even in my brain if I think of something like a humor book it's like something you'd get your aunt for Christmas that sits next to like the Guinness Book of World Records or something yeah or yeah toilet book books. of your toilet books right yeah 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 which is so rubbish that yeah. <laughs> comedy is exclusively toilet based <laughs> yeah or a like, famous celebrities exactly. like tie-in book with yeah. something that they're doing especially if the celebrity is like a, a pug that became famous that year <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah absolutely oh. and, and hey look there's a place for those things yeah in the toilet it's in the <laughs> toilet. <laughs> for those in and around the toilet <laughs> Yeah, I suppose we're both on the same high horse, hobby horse, soapbox about um, all of those re- reclaiming the humor label uh, to potentially grander and more varied worlds. <laughs> yeah, definitely, because it's like it's in there in all. Yeah. It's like such a vital. I think I I oh, I don't want to get too ranty too too Please. early, but like it. <laughs> I rarely now, like when I was, when you asked me to come up with some books that I wanted to talk about that I thought were my top five, I really struggled because it's hard because there are loads of really great funny books, but also because like I was looking at lists of things I'd read over the last five years and I was wanted to include things and then I was realized that they actually weren't funny at all. Mm -hmm. What in my brain had sort of short-circuited funny and good and actually (laughs) I think and I think this doesn't even just go for books I think for like tv and theater and um a stretch but occasionally music even like that kind of Mm. I don't tend to enjoy something fully unless there is an element of humor about it or at least there's like something in it that has Mm -hmm. a kind of a like a, a lightness of tone or, or just like un- understands has the self-awareness of jokes yeah um and i think that is like that that's why i think across the board you can find something incredibly like dark or grand or deep or uh horrific or whatever it is and they can still be funny mm-hmm and I think that's, as we say, you like you want to reclaim it for, <laughs> across, across the genre. It's all there. It's there. Particularly now, there's like such a variety of books by a variety of authors, more than there has ever been before. You know, it's it's there. It's there. It's all there to be found. Why, why do you think it is that something feels better if there is humour in it? I think it for me it's I mean very personally it's because like that's how I choose to like engage in the world and like mm-hmm. since I was a teenager I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian so I like have like very much trained myself to look at things through the lens of like is it funny yeah. um and like how do, how do I express this idea through the idea of a joke but I think like you know if you want to get really <laughs> into the sort of mechanics of it I think it's like humor is absolutely vital as a tool if you are trying to do anything (laughs) if you are trying to communicate anything at all which is what all books are right it's like a form (laughs) of communicating a story or an idea an emotion or whatever humor is like is it can be a hindrance but I think it's mostly like uh, 
it's something to sweeten the pill, of like something that's dark, yeah. allows you to go to somewhere scary or it allows you to go to somewhere difficult. Um, it, it, I like, it's a good way of often introducing tension or like mm. uh, introducing compliment, like um, complicated juxtaposed ideas mm. into something that's quite simple and light. In the end, it like it kind of does the same thing that poetry does. In that, I can't, it actually doesn't feel very intelligent to sort of compare them. But, but in in that, it's about communicating an idea that's complicated in a very few words, mm-hmm. um, and actually leaving you with the complexity of it, and not always resolving it. And like humor, then just suddenly becomes this this incredible way of like engaging and and creating a reaction and a relatability or a, I don't know if I'm being very articulate about this. Basically it's, it's an incredible tool for going anywhere. You can use it in any, almost any human connection. If you want to give people information, you can make it funny and they're more likely to remember it. If you want to like scare people, you can begin with a joke, get them comfortable and then ruin their day. Like there's <laughs> so much. <laughs> And it's also just how it's how humans talk to each other. You know, how many like tiny, just minuscule conversational jokes and inflect like funny inflections do we like engage with just over like even like the five minutes we were talking before we started <laughs> with you know bits of self-deprecation and little weird phrasings and that's just like how that's how humans communicate. Like yeah. to like to remove that from writing feels or to deny that it exists in like a thriller or in a in a great work of you know or even in the classics like you know I remember being 16 and my teacher like pressed a copy of Great Expectations into my hands <laughs> you should read this you'd really like it and I was like I have so much work to do why are you making <laughs> boring things in my spare time and I I sort of stuck with it out of a sense of um uh most probably just like arrogance as being like <laughs> i will read Dickens. i'm a pretentious 16 year old and i got like halfway through and there's like a line there's a bit where he like pip goes to london for the first time and he goes to see a cop like a um a play of he sees go see hamlet but it's in like a kind of um east end theater and like this raucous drunken crowd and the guy, the actor does um, to be or not to be. And someone in the crowd yells, toss a coin. <laughs> and like, I remember thinking that that's like such a funny joke. And it's in the middle of a Dickens novel. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so it really is like everywhere. Like nothing, you don't have to, it doesn't, everything is like riddled with, the, with if, it's, if it's real and it's authentic, and if it's what humans are like, everything is riddled with this stuff. It's, it's there, everywhere. I can't oh, remember what your question was you asked, and I can't remember. <laughs> Shall we segue to a potential first recommendation? Hmm. Yeah. So you asked me to find five books that I... I did. My top five funny books, which is, of course, impossible. <laughs> um, um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was Hero Lindsay Bird, um, which is a collection by Hira Lindsay Bird, who is a um, New Zealand Kiwi writer um, and a poet, and who was also a bookseller, actually. Um, mm. 
um, I think may still do some book selling. I don't know, but it's definitely um, uh, works at I think Unity Books over in New Zealand, uh, which is a brilliant Kiwi bookshop if you're ever in that part of the world. Um, and as the title suggests, it is very funny um, <laughs> and very personal and like about her sort of, and really hard to describe. One of her po- poems went like viral maybe like four or five years ago and it's called Monica and it's like about um, Monica Geller from Friends. And, but it's not really about that. It's about having a slight breakdown at the idea of being in love again and what kind of person she is. Um, and like the, the, that whole thing of like friends being uh, the five types or the six types mm-hmm. of friends being mm-hmm. like personality types that um, you can just sit with and how actually they're all, this was, this was sort of pre the um, friends having its big kind of comeuppance and semi canceling. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's just a flippant take on um, this, but at the end, the, it just sort of ends with her saying, I am falling in love and I don't know what to do about it. Throw me in a haunted wheelbarrow and set me on fire and don't even get me started on Ross. And it's (laughs) just, it's so like, I was so struck by, my friend uh, Helen Sharman, who is also a really great poet, like got me onto her and um, I went to go and see hear Lindsay Bird like do a reading when she was over here at the London Review of Books bookshop um and I was just like it was again one of those things where similar like with being 16 and reading Dickens and finding like Mm. a joke lodged in the middle of it I was suddenly struck by the fact that I'd spent most of my adult life having a go at understanding poetry and like doing my best to like understand the sort of you know I studied like Latin and Greek and stuff at uni and like no obviously there's tons of poetry in there but that felt Mm. very divorced from like modern poetry and you know contemporary poetry which is often feels to the outsider quite kind of unscalable um and then suddenly this thing came along and obviously she's not the only example of this but it was the first time that I was like, oh my God, it can be funny. Mm, mm. And therefore it can also, I can like this. (laughs) I can like, I can like audibly, visibly like this. And I can tell people about it because it actually, and and that's what I mean. I think earlier Mm, I was saying mm, like comedy mm. is like this tool to get you into other stuff. Mm. I was suddenly like, oh, well, if I, if I'm finding this funny and I'm understanding this, which means that, even if there are like a few lines here and there that I don't, I'm yeah. not quite sure what she's getting at, then, but I have, I've got something here. There's something here that I'm like really enjoying. And if I'm enjoying it, then I must be understanding it at some level. Yeah, yeah. Which means that suddenly, oh, look, it's a treasure chest of things. So, oh, let's find more poetry and let's go and seek it out. And now that's like, you know, I don't, again, I wouldn't say that I know loads, but it's definitely formed a little gateway to loads more writing that I love and then again it allows you to once you've understood and enjoyed that and been like okay that's funny let's find some other poets stuff and oh they've got a funny poem this poem is really hilarious but this one isn't but I also really like this one and suddenly you find yourself like you've gone down the rabbit hole and suddenly just equipped yourself with way more interesting literature um so yeah it's a fantastic thing and I would recommend if anyone is like 
freaked out by reading poetry, I really recommend reading some really funny poetry. Um, and here, Lindsay Bird is, is that. Um, though there are many other examples, uh, none of which occur to me. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's quite mm. a nice segue to go from Here a Lindsay Bird by Here a Lindsay Bird to Iwadi on Iwadi. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason I chose this was because um, I'm not sure it definitely is in my top five. Uh, it is, and I, I, I think a good stand-in for a lot of books that fulfill this, mm -hmm. this thing. And it's, it's a great example of it because it's, it's fantastic. Um, books by, that's by, by like comedians or people who are famous for comedy um, that do way more than they need to do. <laughs> um, because like we were talking about earlier with the kind of toilet book where there are so many there are so many and this doesn't just go for books this goes for like tv shows as well there are so many like big famous comic names who will just release something and they'll just not put much effort into it because it's a good money-making thing and you know whatever that's just that's how it is but then things like like rich Iwadi's book Iwadi on Iwadi Iwadi on top uh, the Grip of Film, which is his one mm. about action features, which is so funny. I think maybe I should have even said that one instead. But they're like, they are both, they are all, sorry, um, way more invested in making this mm -hmm. actually funny than it being just like wryly amusing, <laughs> like a couple of anecdotes or whatever. It's like, they've done it's like a performance piece for anyone who hasn't read Iowadi on Iowadi it's like an it's a kind of like a screenplay slash encyclopedia <laughs> slash like personal interview and it's him as a sort of reporter version of himself interviewing himself uh, as a separate character who is the director of uh, the films that Rich Iowadi has made. So it's already like so confusing and like high concept and it has so many footnotes, like most of the book is footnotes. It's Have you read Stuart Lee's um, scripts? Like just the, the embedded footnotes that are longer than the page is just mm -hmm. something that just like as a form, I find so funny. You don't even, it doesn't even matter what the content of that footnote is. I just, I just love like playing with it like that. Literally, yeah. It's like, it is, and th I think this is why, and actually to add to that list as well, I'd say the Stuart Lee, that was something again, I read when I was quite young, like a teenager. And I was like astonished by it because A, I loved comedy. And finally there was like this thing that was stand-up routines but they were like written down and you could see him like picking them apart mm -hmm. um, and explaining them. And, but actually the explanation was also <laughs> like part memoir, but also funny and like almost like separate routines all of itself. Yeah. And suddenly, and also like the design of the whole thing was beautiful. So it's this like gorgeous kind of constructed piece that totally justifies its own existence in a way that loads of like comic sort of humor books don't. Everyone has worked so hard to make something, you know, pull something together, to make something like virtuosic. And that's so like 
like startling and amazing and and it, like inspiring and 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 like the fact that it also kind of straddles two genres of thing that it's both stand up comedy and it's a book um and it's a memoir and like it's kind of I think that's amazing. And again, I would also add to this list, Tim Key's just re uh, released a book that's like his lockdown poetry. Uh, mm. And it's called, He Used Thought as a Wife. And that is does a very similar thing in a very equally beautiful way. Like the design of the book is totally gorgeous. But again, there's footnotes and there's like, um, sort of poems and like diagrams of his flat during lockdown and stuff wow. the whole thing is like immaculately put together as a whole piece um and like that approach to mm -hmm. is funny in itself because it's obviously <laughs> like it's kind of nonsense and the whole you know idea of it is it doesn't really like matter like it's all just you know throw away poems that are sort of meant to be jokes but it's been taken with the utmost like mm -hmm. sincerity and <laughs> care there's a really good um conversation that hannah gadsby has mm -hmm. on mike babiglia's podcast which is a great um sort of podcast about working on material and one of the things she says about like the backlash to her very famous show nanette was that all these people were saying it wasn't pure stand-up it wasn't really comedy and she says, well, you know, yeah, maybe not fully, but actually the future is is in fusion. It's in like bringing things together. Mm -hmm. um, and actually like, I kind of, I agree with that. I also think it's the like fusion of genres and stuff is in the past as well. Like mm -hmm. everything constantly moves in and out of itself. Like, so the idea of, yeah, the idea of like, doing something that fuses the stuff together mm. i think it's so exciting i think it's so cool um and that's kind of why i wanted to include Diawadi on the list is because it, it takes i think some real balls to like <laughs> to try and do that um well and to pull it off and you and i yeah i think yeah and it's just so impressive the concept of that of having Iwadi interviewing himself is it feels so him that yes. there's something really, as you like the word virtuosic. That there's this feeling of um of like of course if he did a book, <laughs> he would yeah, yeah, yeah. like this where it's like a book on its head. In the way that the best parodies are, it's like it it's making a joke of a form, but it's also executing that form like perfectly. <laughs> and so I guess it's the same with like you know his TV show where he, like, yeah. the travel man thing. It's like no one else is going to do that in that way. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, obviously it's fairly light fluff or whatever, but, like, again, it's so much better than it should, that that kind of yeah, yeah, thing should yeah. be. And the effort that's put into it is part of the joke, but is also the, is you know, it's very particular to him. And in that way, it's very authentic. It's really real. Yeah. And, again, you know, that applies to all art forms and all, you know, any book that you read that doesn't quite fit into, I mean, you know, I, I listened to one of your, these podcasts um, okay. where you were talking about uh, Lucy Elman's book. Oh yes. Newburyport, yes. And how like that, that book that, um, nominated for the booker, didn't it? Um, yeah. And it like, that's, it's something like it's three sentences long, but the book is 500 pages. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> and like, 
the idea that that is she knows that that's very long for a book <laughs> <And> she knows <laughs> like but to to like grab the bull by the horns and be like I'm going to do this and it's going to be the perfect form of this strange new thing that I'm fusing together is that's that's what we're aiming for that's what <laughs> anyone there's something interesting I think about personas like like the reason that he's able to I guess do things that feel very him in different forms mm. is because he's got this brilliant persona that yeah. is incredibly recognizable mm. uh, and versatile that, mm. that I feel like some authors want to be want to have a very recognizable style you know mm. you want to be able to read a page and you know which writer that is others want to be invisible like mm. the story should be what tells the thing not the person and um yes discussed <laughs> yeah same. well no I think you're so right I think but and I think doesn't you know it goes for all of the it goes for again for all art forms right mm -hmm. with acting there are some actors who are so themselves and so singular that they will be a variation of themselves in whatever role they play. Yeah, yeah. But it's not bad. It's not like, you know, it's not <laughs> someone who can only do one thing. It's that they can do this thing that is like beyond. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Translates across a, a, a lot of different roles almost impossible to quantify what that thing is because you can yeah. break it down and you can understand it but there's absolutely no way on god's earth that he's constructed that <laughs> you know when you were saying that you know that word the, your brand mm. i think is it's it's so easy to use and i think like it's really useful to use often because we all know what we mean by it it's annoying that we've been forced to use that word because actually it suggests something that like a team of marketing consultants have mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. come up with and they've like brought on all the all the aspects of someone's uh, personality and skill base and they've constructed a new logo for you and actually that's not how a comedic persona or a writing persona or an acting persona like emerges I don't know this is a this is me just thinking off the top of my head mm -hmm. I wonder whether it's actually more difficult to be funny without a clear sense of persona yeah yeah because then you then you get to play with expectation right whereas if it's neutral it's very difficult to yeah. know whether someone's being self-aware if you don't know what the self is right yes yes that's so true <laughs> but, I put it in beautifully box. beautifully <laughs> put together <laughs> I don't, I'm not even going to try and improve on that that's, yeah yeah that's so true but then I think it would be maybe it would be it would be really remiss to say that there are no funny books where like the, the author's voice is is not clear do you, do you know what I mean like you yeah. know when you read something and you're like I don't know who's written this but it is very funny yeah completely and that exists without persona but presumably the persona at that point is just the well-constructed persona of the characters yes with any kind of live performance or acting whatever mm -hmm. there's physically someone there so there is like a person for the persona to yes whether it's constructed or not to yeah. like exist around with whereas in with a book you do there is no one there and it is just the voice so the idea of i think the idea of maybe having like a set comic persona mm, mm, mm. has slightly less weight talking of uh there's no one there 
<laughs> this is good. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yes, you you've been you can do this. You're very That's good at this. this is... <laughs> um, it's a professional. <laughs> nothing called nothing to see here is the name of the book. Hence the sensational segue. Um, it is uh, something I read. I think because one of the things that I have been like trying to do in my new position managing the shop is to find things that I'm excited about. And as discussed, I'm really like, I love books. And I think partly because I'm trying to marry these two things that are big parts of my life. I love books that are actually properly funny. Mm -hmm. And it feels like something that didn't exist or just wasn't like drawn attention to when I was younger, whereas now there are so much, seems to be way more literature that you can you can be like, ah, that is, that is like recognizably funny in a way that I, you know, that I know and I'm like, com you know, yeah. comfortable as an adult. Whether or not that's just because I was young and stupid and now I'm old and very smart. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, uh, and I saw this thing and it had a, it's not this amazing, really stupid cover with like a child exploding on the front of it. And I thought that was really funny. And I read the blurb and it sounded great. And then I just read the thing about a couple of months ago and it is so tender and sweet. Uh, it's like a story about uh, this woman in Tennessee who sort of just doesn't really know what she's doing with her life. And her best friend from school gets back in touch with her after a long period of them not seeing each other. And she is now married to uh, a Tennessean senator um, who is in the line for the presidency, possibly. Um, and she gets, she asks uh, the main character to come and stay with them and look after his illegitimate children from a previous marriage who have a strange condition in which when they get agitated, they burst into flames. Um, they don't like die. They just like burn off all their clothes and are just on fire. Um, so like a huge sort of health hazard. And it is a bizarre, stupid conceit <laughs> taken deadly seriously and like they just she has to work out a way of like keeping them alive and not like causing any like media attention because they just they don't want to ruin the chances of their dad um in like forwarding his career and obviously the tension between this family has something quite clearly not right at the heart of it and also the the metaphor for the, like what the kids the, the kids like exploding condition well, that becomes clearer over time but it's it's so funny and just like casual but well written often i think with books that are like properly funny that have a kind of sharpness to them or have really good with phrase making i often find that they're quite kind of like cynical mm. or cruel or I remember reading a few years ago, I read Money by, mm. or tried to, tried to read Money oh, by Martin Amos, and I got about halfway through and I was like, it is, the prose is really, really funny, but everyone in this book is awful. I hate all of them. Yeah. And it's actually like miserable to read. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> it's so just, bleh. I finished like yesterday, um, Kingsley Amos, sis. Oh yeah. Um, Oh my God, Lucky Jim. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I had really stupidly not connected that um, sure, sure. with Martha Amos's father. And um, I loved it. I really, really loved it. Mm. Literally angry young men, like of that yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing, but mm. so much more sympathetic and so much more human than Martin Amos. Like, yes. Just yes. so much more. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd agree. I think that's a really, um, it's a good example. It feels like almost like the exception to the kind of <laughs> the rule of like novels about like slightly embittered men who just can't get what they're due. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing is often you're like, okay, okay. And then you're just waiting for something to sour. Um, I think because he knows how angry and embittered he is and like mm. hates himself for it. So like he constantly just triggers his own anger at himself <laughs> and it's just like perpetual. To me, it almost felt a bit Woodhouse C in as much as there was this element of, you know, the perfect woman who arrives at the perfect time. But yes. it's like, they're all too witty to kind of actually say what they mean. And they're all yes. like looking to the side and like the mm. is really in on it, I think. Like the, I feel like Kingsley Amis is very sort of generous at um, allowing you to, to get it. You know, he doesn't patronize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, and that and that being kind of like, um, did I, I think I did include some PG Woodhouse on. You did. Tips, I was hoping I'd get yeah. a segue in in a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But to give it the kind of like actual dark heart of like real people alike in those scenarios. Yeah. It's that 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 was very pleasing. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. You're so right. He's he's aware. They're aware. There's, <laughs> Just the, yeah, the kind of things that I think make, that you enjoy, you enjoy the kind of fast to give you the comfort of like being like, oh, I'm in this environment. And then like, you realize actually this is like fully 3D. And these yeah. people are yeah. like, as you said, yeah. like, with the kind of like vicious cycle of self-hatred <laughs> that he has, it's like, oh my God, that someone could have written that yesterday. That's yeah. not, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I saying? Um, Yes, there's a sweetness to it. It's very, um, you're watching a kind relationship emerge. And yeah, and it's just, it's just, it's just lovely and very funny throughout. Um, and again, it's just a, it's like a really good example of just like, this is the whole point of this podcast. And <laughs> it's so lovely to just find something that is exists all of its own. And to just be aware that like the quality of it is so great. And it's actually funny. And it's, going to entertain you and like take you somewhere else but also like change you as a person a little bit i am i'm sold i'm sold i'm gonna get it <laughs> please do i hope you like it now <laughs> you're reading a bit like this is a racist trash oh, what? it's genuinely not but <laughs> um woodhouse yeah why, why that woodhouse so again, a little bit of a representative answer on this one. Mm -hmm. Something fishy, something fishy by P.G. Woodhouse, which is the one one of the ones that I chose. Um, I got I'd like kind of always like been aware of like Jeeves and Worcester and all of, yeah. you know all of the yeah. stuff. Maybe seen like an episode or two of it, and then at the age of like thirteen, a family friend like gave me a copy of this <laughs> this random one. It's like a one-time standalone story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the copy I got given uh, was one of the Everyman Woodhouses. White stripe on the 
all the way around and then like a kind of quite abstract kind of they're absolutely gorgeous and I read it and I was like so I loved it and I think it was during you know I'll fully fully admit that it played all of the PG Woodhouse's play very deeply into my uh, fantasy of being a 1920s <laughs> moneyed gentleman. Yeah, yeah. Which too. obviously is very embarrassing. And when I was young, I was at like a choir school. So I've been surrounded by gothic sandstone and um, people wearing nice things and drinks and cocktails and you know, soirees. But yeah, it's just like the veneer of that, the excitement of being a, you know, a floozy in the metropolis and then spending a few days down in the country estate is like, (laughs) that does, it does just like really appeal. And I, and I don't, you know, obviously never happens and it's from a different period of life and it, for all the reasons that then as you're older and you read something like Lucky Jim, where you sort of things exist period things exist in that world but you see the real life of it Mm, mm, and then that becomes quite appealing because you're sort of getting the simultaneously the nostalgia joy of reading something that lives in us of the world of mm, your mind mm. but is also real um so definitely yeah it definitely had that appeal to me but also and i think maybe more and again there's lots of stuff to be said about how pg Woodhouse was not a great guy um for me and again this is just a personal thing reading it was like one of the first times that i was aware of something being really witty in a that didn't need to be like it's very farcical and and silly and what you often remember is like the kind of the nonsense words and all the kind of, you know, um, it, it just being very um, light and silly. Mm. Um, and, you know, people with silly names like Gussie Finknottle and all that yeah. sort of stuff, which is, you know, is, is, you know, at the time I imagine would have been really smart kind of um, skewering, lampooning of like <laughs> the aristocratic class because they probably did all have names like that. But then actually like the actual writing is like, there's really smart, funny wordplay. There's loads of like, some of the like plots are very simple and actually you can see him kind of scraping the barrel a bit, particularly with like, the <laughs> Jeeves. Like like, yeah, and like, you know, Jeeves is like superhuman and also pulls a lot of the same moves. Bertie <laughs> Worcester doesn't really, you know, pull his weight or work out anything over the course of a hundred stories or whatever. Um, <laughs> But there's just, there's just a kind of, uh, there's a comfort in it. And there's also a kind of, it was very inspiring to read something that was like having fun playing with the, the language and the, um, watching, it was like one of the first times I think I had really seen dialogue that kind of, mm-hmm. that was kind of, was funny because it relied on that kind of like farcical, sort of like people misunderstanding and, you know, and at university I did loads of theatre and it does almost, they do almost feel more like mm-hmm. little plays they, mm-hmm. than they do novels and that kind of, yeah, gave me a bit of a, a love for that, I think. Mm. Um, they're an intriguing thing now. I do think they're quite kind of, I don't know how well they've aged. I think mm-hmm. some of them and others. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, for, for, for my money, <laughs> I mm. think- 
you know, you're, you're wanting to read them as, as you said, like a nostalgia hit, you know, it's like, mm. it's a complete um, holiday to the past in a, yes. a strange scenario. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to Woodhouse for a bit of realism or, or like, yeah. um, I don't know, maybe, maybe they should be, but. I just think the, the technique of it, the skill of yes. it, yeah. however sort of much of a frippery it all is. It still it still holds up. Like you really? can still look yeah. at that and be like, look, that's that's that is good comic writing. That's gonna yes. That's gonna give you the buzz every time. Hey, technique is timeless. Oh, look at <laughs> these sound bites. I am all of them tonight. Oh, so good. Goodness. <laughs> like, is, I couldn't do that. I just I'm an hour for too long. <laughs> so I mean, you might not be going to. To Woodhouse for contemporary realism mm. but there might be another book that you you might be going for a more what, which one <laughs> <laughs> this is a I think maybe a bit of a strange choice in that it is not a comedy I worry so I wouldn't say it's like you wouldn't be like oh read this very funny book <laughs> but I think again this was something I wanted to include yeah. because I read it earlier this year it came out earlier this year it's got a lot of heat and a lot of press. It is really amazing. Um, uh, a black woman who works in a publishing house but starts up a relationship with a an older man who has has a, a wife, and so she's having an affair but ends up living with them and looking after their adopted black daughter, um, and it deals with issues around race, issues around class, loads of like discussion of, because she's a painter and she suddenly becomes uh, able to paint and have time to paint because she's been given sort of financial security. There's all these, you know, discussions about the generational, mm -hmm. you know, divide. How does her, how does the younger black character sort of interact with her as like a millennial it's it's like full of all of those ideas but deals with them in the most lacerating <laughs> just so right on and I don't mean right on in terms of like um politically correct I mean like it just skewers any kind of hypocrisy and, and just and, and is like relentlessly truthful about anxiety and about um, just moments between characters, uh, how they're behaving, why they're behaving that way. Um, just the truth in scenarios, it, w it never lets up and allows you to get comfortable. And that does not sound funny. It sounds quite worthy when I put it like that. But the book is actually like relentlessly entertaining. The phrase making in it is mm -hmm. hilarious um, for all the reasons that P.G. Woodhouse is not. You know, it seems ridiculous to even conclude them on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, the, the wittiness of it and the kind of, and it, it's a perfect example of where where being like really funny and really kind of not surreal imagery, but like with very, very specific mm -hmm. um, comic tinged Im imagery, you can achieve like a real truth and you can make something actually, you can get to a darker, complicated idea. Mm. Um, and you don't necessarily relieve any of the tension, but you do name something really, really articulately um, by using humor. 
and and I think that's almost like I would say reading it the main strength of the book is that mm -hmm. it's dealing with things that are so hard to talk about from everyone involved and it gets to the heart of them over and over and over again I'd, yeah I'd throw mental health in there as well as like another mm. of the like themes of the book. yeah in awe of it as a piece of mm -hmm. literature from something that looks and has has been again I think like promoted as something quite kind of yeah. oh just like mainstream kind of toxic relationship um yeah. the real heart the problem with any like book saying I mean you must find this yeah. you know, tough in publishing is like how do you yeah get lots of people to read something but adequately represent it because and again and this is why it feels so weird to put this book in amongst all these other books but it is really really funny yeah um yeah it's it's uh, yeah that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's do this last one. Right. Am I right in thinking it's 101 pages long? It is. It's um, it's 101 short stories that are each a page long. Uh, they're all love stories. They are, each one of them is named after, um, I think actually they all come, they all come roughly alphabetically. So... So it starts with um, anthropology and then it goes all the way through to, what's the last one? Words, I think. It's an interesting, like, for the same reason that things often make me excited to read them because they're funny, things also make, and this is so childish, but, like, some things also really get me to read them by being short. Oh, yeah. and, definitely, um, definitely. Beginning of university, and I was like, oh, 101 short stories. I can read this really quickly, and then I can, <laughs> if I like it, I can, like, tell everyone that I read lots. Um, <laughs> and, and I read it, and it, Dan Rhodes quickly became like one of my favorite writers, probably my favorite writer for a long time. They're quite kind of often dark, little silly stories about, mostly about failed romances. And obviously at the age of like 18, 19, I was like, ah, these are all true. <laughs> this, is, this, is what, this is what life is like, it's so hard. Um, so it's like a male voice writing about a series of female crushes essentially. And they all have like slightly odd names. <laughs> um, so for instance, this one is called Kiss and it, the lady in it's called Orchid. Um, can I read one? Is that legit? Yeah, I'd love that. Okay. Orchid is resolute that her first kiss be perfect. I took her to Paris in the springtime. As we gazed across the Seine at the Eiffel Tower, I made my move. She pushed me away. No, she said, it's just not romantic enough. I'm sorry. I took her to a deserted palm-fringed Bahamian beach and her response was the same. I saved and saved until finally we stood at sunset before the Taj Mahal. It smells funny, she said. It smells and there's poor people everywhere. I was disappointed too. The supposedly magnificent structure paled beside those untouched velvet lips. Yes! And they're just like, it's the gateway to everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, I, I kind of get this and it's funny and it's a bit weird. His other books are also fantastic. And loads of them just deal with unrequited love. They're quite kind of, he's got quite one, one tone. But you can see that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Buddy. Um, uh, they got me, they got me reading and they got me thinking about, um, about how to 
how to do how to like enjoy reading mm. and how to be funny and what funny is and sort of like haiku comedy which was sort of something that became like was like a fringe thing at the like <laughs> comedians doing like poems or like short mm. stories or mm. you know it's something that like Tim Key is obviously like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier sort of made into his whole thing and that being a kind of that having worth you know the fact that this is like published <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. these things you know how long are they compared to a tweet is it um, there's almost yeah. a point, I don't know like the perfectly executed tweet obviously being uh an art form that we we didn't know we needed um, yeah and that's that so having true. obviously uh, launched a thousand ships of careers and, and 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 just I guess you know the way that a lot of people consume comedy at the moment is is through kind of really short format like yes. really short flashes like that and what's funny about it is that like I, w- I find it so weird that you often get people of like our age saying like I don't read like I don't, I, oh my god I wouldn't and like I'm not like a writer I'm not gonna like ooh, write a book or whatever yeah and yet they tweet every day <laughs> and and like funny concise beautifully worded little tweets and you're like you realize that's the same thing yeah 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 and, and obviously like there are versions of it that are open to more criticism than others you know you get like the rupee core sort of yeah, instagram yeah. poetry that gets sort of <laughs> mercilessly taken the piss out of yeah but it's like there's a continuum and <laughs> tweets are on it and you know uh, war and peace is is on the other end yeah and they're not like they're not severed still reaching out to other people in some form it's just i think you know on social media or whatever, it, it becomes confusing because there are some people who are considering every last thing. That they <laughs> and there are some people who are not farting into the abyss. <laughs> but you know, there are bad books too. So let's <laughs> not, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, um, you don't have to tell me, but uh, mm. you, are you? Do you want to write something like a booky thing? I toy around with things a bit. Yeah. So, like, I write like a monthly newsletter. Low. Which is, yeah, it's called Low. And it's like <laughs> a couple of friends, Will Hughes and Jack Chisnell, do cartoons for it. And it's like a kind of like, it's almost a column. And it was because I can't do any gigs at the moment. I was like, I'm writing things in my notebook that might have ended up as routines. Yeah. But yeah. they could equally, like, I can just, like, you know, pull the cannon around and fire all the content somewhere else so yeah yeah they've got a bit of a feel of like routine still bloggy kind of things but I've you know over the last few years occasionally I like have a go at a short story or you know and that kind of thing but it's not writing prose I think I'm I'm, I'm so in awe of anyone who successfully manages to do it because mm. it requires solitude and it requires strength of nerve to keep going in the face of your first drafts which are I speak for myself but I gather from yeah I've heard from various people that it's uh, it's tough to face up to your own flaws um and it's time it takes bloody ages to write something and to make it good and to be like really happy with 
you know there's like the the pressure that will turn this into a diamond is time and an enormous amount of effort and i mean that's another part of it is that i'm incredibly narcissistic and i require lots of validation and stand-up has absolutely spoiled me how are you finding it writing your book oh god that's an enormous (laughs) i was hoping that that had slipped under the radar um um yeah, quite soul destroying, to be honest. Like, like just um, one second really great, and then one second really bad. And um, I'm in the middle of um, a quite big kind of structural edit at the moment, which is okay. the main impetus is from me, just like mm. being incredibly embarrassed about the whole thing and wanting to improve it. But there's just an odd thing where because the process of writing a book takes so long you're a different person like I'm a different person to who I was when I started writing this book like and 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 it's been it hasn't been that long a process given how long like some people take to write a book understandably I started this in maybe January last year and um it's been obviously through several drafts with various you know other people's input at the end Mm. of it you sort of discover that there are parts of it that you're like oh yeah actually fair enough me like quite like that but I've got to this point now where it's like, oh God, someone's like bought this book, they're publishing it. So like, I can't change it that much. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, yeah. like trying desperately to kind of make this thing into something that you actually like respect and like. And I just don't, I'm just so close to it now that I can't even see it for what it is. And so I'm sure, making sure. changes and I, I've got no idea whether I'm improving it or not, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I think I am, but I'm kind of changing it into something else that might just be, a first draft of something else you know like at what point is it better to have a third draft like a good version of something worse do you know what I mean like a better idea but more poorly executed because I tacked it on at the end you know yeah okay how long do you um (laughs) I mean I may I 100% will um thank you thank you it sounds bloody brilliant it sounds like you know the idea is so I think is you know sounds very very golden thank you thanks for the pet talk I uh, (laughs) just from banging my head on the table this morning no that's that's nice that's good I hope that you're right I am always (laughs) right so that's fine um Ben thanks so much this has been so nice thanks thank you I'm this has been yeah been really really fun I hope I haven't rambled on too much Thank you for listening to this episode of Whitlet. Um, as you've made it this far, may I politely request that you leave a nice little thumbs up, stars, follow, subscribe thing uh, on wherever you're listening to this. Um, that would be really cool of you. Thank you. Um, also, you should definitely check out Ben, uh, both in his comedy hat and his bookseller hat. You can find out how to find him in the podcast show notes. Uh, Ben runs a monthly comedy night in Farringdon called Fresh Chestnuts and he also does all sorts of gigs and newsletters and fun things so definitely find him on uh, Twitter and everything and if you're in Peckham and let's face it all of the people who listen to this podcast are in Peckham uh, you can go and buy books from him at the Review Bookshop Um, they also have an online service which I've linked in the podcast description Um, if you'd like to send me any fan mail um, or or presents or anything like that uh, I'm on Twitter at Lily underscore Linden or Instagram at Bookie Mook Book Face that would be nice Uh, I hope you're all 
yeah, I hope you're all doing okay. Um, hope you're all stopping and smelling the roses and uh, petting nice dogs and um, things like that. Um, yes, bye. Thank <laughs> you.